Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. of September 2021. I don't know. It just seems kind of extraordinary. Where has the year gone? Where is the year going? What day is it? This is the day the Lord has made, and I am rejoicing. I am glad in it. Draw unto God. He will draw near unto you. I am confident of that. Um, And this, you know, this is true. This is true regardless of who you are or where you are or the circumstances in which you find yourself. If you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Um, So I want to talk for a moment about trusting in the reality of God's redemptive arc over all people, all places, all circumstances, even as we consider the people, the place, and the circumstances of Afghanistan. Yes, I know the uh, headline attention on Afghanistan is going to pivot. It is going to move away from the concerns of those people in that place and their circumstances. And so as Christians, I want us to linger here for a moment. Let us not be so easily distracted. Let us hold our gaze on this for a moment. 20 years ago, I want you to consider how much you knew about Afghanistan, the Afghan people, uh, 20 years ago. 20 years ago today. Could you have found it on a map? Maybe. Did you know that there were 14 tribes? Did you, could you say Kandahar? Were you familiar with Kabul? Did you know the names of provinces? Probably not. Probably not. Afghanistan came into view for most of us 20 years ago, October 1st, because that's really when um, the war effort on the part of America began. So 20 years ago today, September the 1st, we didn't really know much about Afghanistan, its people, its places, its circumstances. Here's what we came to see. We came to see those people and that place and their circumstances as other, as enemy. And I want you to consider that somehow over the course of 20 years, those whom we once saw as enemies, we now regard as closer than many of our own countrymen. Those who once we perceived as posing a near existential threat to who we are and our way of life, we now describe as under such threat. What changed? What changed? Because that's a heart change. It's not just time. It's not just time that changed our perspective. Part of it was getting proximate to them. We went. Now, 
You probably didn't go. I didn't physically go. But we went. My stepson Jonathan went to tours in Afghanistan as a U.S. Marine. We went. Our young men and women went. We saw. Our journalists went, and we saw. We met. Their stories were told. We came to know them. We, came, we became their friends. We entrusted ourselves to their hospitality. We grew to love them. The place, Afghanistan, is described as a land where empires go to die. It's also a place where the best of our redemptive efforts have been on display at great sacrifice for 20 years. We discovered a people who are precious. People who want the same things for their children that we want for ours. People who have been responsive to the gospel and receptive of the biblical truth that God created us equally in his image as male and female. That's the real conversation, by the way, about educating girls. The real conversation comes down to worldview. Do we see both girls and boys, both men and women, as equally created in the image of God and therefore worthy, worthy of being regarded as equals? I mean, what some call a Western idea that girls should be educated, that girls should learn to read and write and go to school, um, that Western idea isn't actually Western so much as it is Judeo-Christian. It's a biblical conviction that each and all are created in the image of God. And even as the borders close to gospel missions, the gospel has been planted in Afghanistan, in the hearts and minds of people. Hearts and minds have been renewed by the transforming power of the Word of God. The gospel arc is advancing, and there's no stopping it. We must trust God with and for the people in places that we cannot go, in places that get shut off, in circumstances we cannot imagine. The gospel arc is moving today in North Korea, where Christian missions cannot. The gospel arc is moving today in China, in places and spaces where missionaries can no longer go. Friends, God either has the whole world in the hollow of his hands or he is not God. God has got this. So even in our distress and our frustration and our anger, let us declare our faith in the faithfulness of God. Let us speak today of God's goodness. Let us appeal to him for a fresh wind of the Spirit and particular evidences of his amazing, all-sufficient grace. The gospel holds. Trust God. There's no stopping the gospel. His empire? His kingdom? Well, his kingdom has come and his kingdom comes. Afghanistan is not beyond God's concern and certainly not beyond the reach of God's good gospel. Next up, we've got Bill English. We're going to turn our attention to Labor Day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen.
Business back in the house. You can find him on Twitter at Bible Business. You can find him online at BibleAndBusiness.com. Hi, we've missed you. Hey, I've missed you too. How have you been? I am well. I am well. Thank you so much. And you? We've been good. We got uh, David off to seminary. He's going to Southern Theological Seminary in Louisville. And so Kathy and I uh, took him down, then had some uh, time with family in Indianapolis, which is my hometown. As as you know, I grew up there and saw some friends. And so we had a really great time. It's been good. Okay, there's a pie place near Southern that um, David needs to know about, and you need to know about the next time you oh, visit. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I'll look up all the all the details, but all they serve is pie, and it's and it's worth it's worth checking out. That's what I got for you. So, so I don't have anything else in Louisville course. that I would recommend, but that pie place is worth checking out. Okay, I'll okay. be sure to go there next time I'm down. All right, we're going to talk about work and the theology yeah. of work because Labor Day is upon us. And so, I don't know, I'll just lead with this. Is work part of God's intrinsically good plan? Um, or is work, you know, just one more bad result of living on this side of the fall? Oh, no, I think it's part of a good plan. I Look, we had work before the fall, and Adam was working before the fall, as was Eve, and God worked and is working, right? So you have you have the work of creation, for example, in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, so he was working there. And <clears throat> remember that the, the, that the command to rest implies a positive command to work. So Ephesians 20, verse 8, for example, remember the Sabbath day um, and keep it holy. Uh, six days shall you labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. So uh, we have to remember that um, work is a gift from God. It is a good thing. I think it provides us dignity. It provides us purpose. God gives us intrinsic uh, talents and passions, and work is a is one of the core ways to express that, which is one of the one of the things I talk about in my book. So, yeah, no, it's it's definitely part of a good plan. Yeah, it occurs to me that, you know, right, God works in creation. I mean, he wouldn't give us a uh, a command to rest on the seventh day if there weren't, um, you know, if there weren't the expectation that we would be working the other days, right? I mean, I just think that there right. are so many places in Scripture where we can talk about the way God works and the work God is doing, which implies that we are to work as well. I mean, there's a work of redemption. There's a work of salvation, He's certainly working all things together right now. I mean, Romans eight twenty eight is like, I don't know, the the favorite verse of the Bible. Um, we know in all things that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I mean, if God works, then work is good, inherently so. Um, and so it's worthy of our time that we should work as well. Um so let's talk about the kind of work. Oh, I guess we have to take a very brief break. When we Let's take a very brief break. When we come back, Bill English and I, or I'm going to ask him, does it matter what kind of work we do? And does it matter how we work, like how we go about doing the work we do? All right, that's up next here in our conversation about Labor Day. We'll be right back. Do you remember the 21st night of September? Love was changing the all right. Uh, we got a book in the New Testament called Ephesians. We got a book in the Old Testament called Exodus. And the passage on the Sabbath 
<laughs> is in Exodus, not Ephesians. We could have been in Ecclesiastes or Ezekiel. I mean, we got we we do have a number of of E books in the Bible, so no shame in saying the wrong one, especially when the show host put the wrong book of the Bible in the notes. <laughs> For those well, of you who missed it, making. we might have suggested that something was in Ephesians, and then we said chapter 20, which clearly you know there aren't 20 chapters in Ephesians, and that was your first clue that we had misspoken. That would be Exodus chapter 20. But there is some good, good, good word um, about work in the book of Ephesians. So, Bill, does it matter yes. what kind of work we do? Does it matter how we work at the work that is before us? Like the what and the how, does it matter? Uh, it does, yeah, because the kind of work that we do um, is is important. I, uh, aside from your notes, the the work that we do should be in accordance with our gifting and passions. And in each, God has uniquely gifted us and passioned us, uh, e- each of us individually. But I love Ephesians two ten here. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not bad works, good works. And the thing is, God is preparing those works in advance for us to do. So today, he is at work in the future, a year from now, and he is preparing you and I, Carmen, and everybody listening uh, to to do those works that he is preparing in advance for us to do, so that when we get to that work, we're prepared and ready to do it. I take a lot of uh, comfort in that, and, and frankly, a lot of direction, knowing that whatever's going on in my life today is actually preparatory for what God has in the future. And ultimately, we know that we're all going to reign with Christ in heaven as part of his divine counsel. And so that is something that our entire lives is preparation for reigning with Christ in eternity. Uh, and then, of course, how we work, that's Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is, this is the phrase, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whatever we are doing, let's give it our all. Let's be all in on, on what we're doing. And let's remember that we're first working for the Lord. And then secondly, for whoever our human masters are, whoever the stakeholders are, whoever the owners are, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's so good. Um, I I think that, I mean, I know that there are people who I encounter who are toiling. They're the what they do is is toil. It's laborious. It's hard, um, and they approach it in a way that is that is joyless, and that is sad to me. I get that. There are also people who. Um, work very passionately um, because of the satisfaction that they get from the work itself, from the social benefit that's brought by the work that they do. And sometimes they work for nothing or next to nothing. And then there's other people who totally wear themselves out just for the gain, just for the material gain, just for the wealth. And um, so let's just talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the theology of work that's operating in, um, in sort of what we're working for. Yeah, I, and and if if you're working for money, money will never be enough, right? If you're working, um, if if you're in a job you don't like, if you can make a move, I would suggest that you make it because life is too short, in my estimation, to be working 
uh, at a job that is just it's toil rather than work. Right. I, I like how you've used those two different words here. But those who really work hard for the money, um, there's, there's, there's a space in Proverbs that says, do not wear yourself out to get rich and do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Our wealth can go like that. It can, just, it can be gone in a moment's notice. And uh, what will you have at the end? See, this is why when, when we're working for the Lord and we're investing ourselves in eternal things, then we know that the treasures that we have laid up in heaven can never be taken away. It says, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That's Matthew 5. And so um, there's there's a very real sense that our work needs to have an eternal um uh, component to it. Now, it has the eternal component if we know that we're working for the Lord. But if we're just working to get money, if we're just working because we enjoy it, but there, there really isn't anything eternal about it, then it's really all temporary. And in the end, we're really going to have nothing. Yeah. And I think that when you talk about um, the, the having nothing, the vanity of it all, um, you know, Ecclesiastes has much to say about all of this. So maybe highlight a few of those notes as well. Yeah, so uh, I believe it's chapter 3 here in verse 17. Um, uh, he says, Because of the work that is done under the sun, it was grievous to me, Solomon wrote. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun. Can you believe it? Working mm-hmm. hard for something, and then in the end you hate it? Uh, and so there, there, is a, there is a sense that where that will lead to despair, and as it leads to despair... It leads to meaningless, and then and then you're kind of in this really dark place, right? And so um, what Solomon says is that a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and, sign, and find satisfaction in their work. This is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? So see, when, when we find enjoyment in our work, when we find satisfaction in our work, even that is from God. That's a gift from God. So the work is a gift. And the enjoyment of it is also a gift from God. Um, again, I would just say to people, if, if you're toiling in a job that you just hate, man, look for something else to do if you can do that. I realize not everybody can, but that would be something I would ask the Lord about. All right. I think we're going to um, maybe sum this up with the verses from Ecclesiastes 12, and we'll just spend a, a moment reflecting on this. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14 says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. I mean, ultimately, the labor of my life is presented unto the Lord, and he determines whether or not, you know, it is well done, good and faithful servant. That is what I would certainly like to hear him say. Yeah, me too. I'd like to hear him say it for you and for me and for everybody who's within the sound of our voices. Hey, thank you for the good work you do every day. Thank you for um, the good work of bringing the gospel to bear on the Workaday world. You guys can visit with Bill online at BibleAndBusiness.com. You can also chat with him on Twitter at BibleBusiness. Bill, thank you so much. Get to work, man. (laughs) I will, actually. (laughs) I know. 
Thanks, Carmen. Thank you for laboring here with us this morning. We appreciate it. No, no, I enjoyed it. It's not labor. It's a labor of love. It's a lot of fun. It is. All right, that's Bill English. We'll be right back. All right, it's time to have a little bit of fun. Yep, it's time. It's time for a little bit of fun. Talking about playfulness. We're going to talk with Courtney Ellis about her new book, Happy Now. Yep, playfulness. Let's lift the load and renew our spirit. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Lacato. We love to know where we came from. We need to know where we came from. Knowing connects us, links us to something greater than we are. That is why God wants you to know his story. Framed photos hang in his house and lively talks await you at his table. A scrapbook sits in his living room brimming with stories, stories about Bethlehem beginnings and manger miracles, enemy warfare in the wilderness and fishermen friends in Galilee. The stumbles of Peter, the stubbornness of Paul, all part of the story, but subplots to the central message of the headline story, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God saves his people, God's story, and we are a part of it. This is Max Lucado. So Courtney Ellis uh, initially trained to be an English lit professor. So you know that her writing is well-framed. The book is Happy Now, Let Playfulness Lift Your Load and Renew Your Spirit. You can read Courtney's blogs and connect with the book and with her at Courtney B. Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, CourtneyBellis.com. Courtney, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for having me, Carmen. It's great to be here. All right, let's have a little fun. Let's have a little fun. Now, first of all, I think we need to give everyone permission to play, to have fun, to rejoice, to be joyful, even in the midst of a world on fire, like so many serious headlines, so much um, trauma, so much challenge that we face day in and day out. Why is play important? And how do I get myself to a place of freedom where I don't feel guilty having fun when the world is on fire? I love that question because so often we treat play as a luxury item. We'll get to it when we have time, when we have energy, or we'll get to it when the world is at peace. Well, spoiler alert, (laughs) until Jesus comes back, we're never going to have a world that's perfectly at peace. But the fact is that God has created us for joy and connection. And when we play, our brains light up with joy. They light up with connection and we connect more easily with each other. We learn better. We innovate more. Play is such a powerful tool. And more important than that, it's fun. So in uh, amidst all of the images on the tarmac at the airport in Kabul, there is one that stands out. And if you just Google in your in your in your bar and you click on images like uh, Afghan girl, yellow Kabul or the word skipping, you will you'll bring it up. Mm. And she's she's skipping. She's in this bright yellow outfit 
she is skipping toward the airplane. And mm. I it was this it was this image of playfulness in the midst of what is really a hard, hard reality. And so I think that, you know, just in order for people to hold an image in their mind, like children seem to get this. And so part of this, I think, is reengaging with the fact that we are the children of God and there is a child likeness to the faith. Um, and yet when we play, sometimes people then will say, well, we're childish. There's a different there's a differentness to this that you're trying to explain in the book. Yes, absolutely. And a piece of that is we can't have joy without sorrow. And often the people we know who are best at rejoicing have experienced really deep sorrow in their lives. And they're able to rejoice because they've gone through that valley with the Lord rather than just ignoring their pain and saying, no, I'm happy, I'm happy, right? That, that joy and sorrow coexist. But a big piece of playfulness is giving ourselves that permission. And children are masters of play. There's a whole chapter in the book about being a kid again and going back to what brought you joy when you were a child that maybe you haven't done in years that can be part of your adult adult life and be part of the fuel for what God has for you to do that might be more difficult, more challenging, more serious, that play can help fill up our tanks so that we're ready for the work ahead. Yeah, skipping rocks, laying on your back in the yard, uh, talking about what the cloud formations are, or watching for um, shooting stars, um, riding a bike, riding a horse, like I, all the kind of be a kid again things. I loved, I loved, uh, I loved that invitation. Um, you also talk, and again, uh, we are. I got to remind people what we're doing here. We're talking with Courtney Ellis. The book is Happy Now. Right. Happy now is the book. It's a, it really is an invitation to play and to for play to really be a key solution to a very serious problem. All right. So, Courtney, maybe we should back up. What's the serious problem that play uh, helps us resolve? The serious problem is that we've become too serious and the the more advanced an animal is the more it plays so dolphins play otters play lizards don't play and when we stop playing we stop connecting with this innovative part of ourselves the part god has created to um to walk in this wonder and this freedom and this joy the part that fuels the deep sometimes difficult work we have to do, the work of being missional in the world, the work of loving our neighbor. And sometimes our neighbors can be very hard to love. And so reclaiming play helps us become the people God has created us to be and live in the world in the way God has intended us to live and share the gospel in ways that are compelling and winsome. And um, it play is, play is everything. It's everything. I wrote a whole book on it. I love to play. <laughs> It's so great. All right. So um, 10 Invitations of Playfulness. That's how the book is um, uh, is laid out. Rest Well, which, you know, could have been called Take Naps. Be a Kid Again. <laughs> Connect. Improvise. Do useless things. Seek adventure. Invest in community. Play small. Fail regularly. Take off your shoes. Um, I, I think that um, in my household, we might have added... Um, uh, something along the lines of celebrate everyone. So yes. part of the learning and play at my house was taking turns. Like that was a challenge. And then like celebrating no matter who wins, like we're all fiercely competitive. And so hmm. we had to learn to celebrate everyone no matter who wins. 
So my listeners already know this, but I think you will appreciate it. Everyone has a victory song. So at the end of a card game, at the end of a game of dominoes, it doesn't matter what we're playing. At the end of a Bananagrams, whoever wins, we all immediately sing their victory song. So whatever that person's victory song is, we all have to sing it. And sometimes we sing it with more enthusiasm uh, and sometimes, you know, with less. But um, so that would be something I would commend as well. Uh, to to everyone listening today. Courtney Ellis and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. She's going to unpack for us a few of these invitations of playfulness. Uh, and we're going to, well, I don't know. We're going to let her start where she wants to start. We've talked about being a kid again, but I think that the conversation about investing in community is a good one as well. So we're going to uh, continue this conversation about happy now with Courtney Ellis in just a moment. Make me happy. All right, we're talking with Courtney Ellis about her new book, Happy Now. There is a rhythm or a pattern to playfulness, invitation, permission, release. You get invited to play or you invite yourself. Uh, We receive permission to play, right, or we grant ourselves that permission. And then there is this release of falling into playfulness, the moment of joy when we, I don't know, reach whimsy itself. Um, Courtney, let's talk about how, how the book um, unfolds, maybe maybe pick one of the invitations and issue it. Sure. I'm an introvert. I'm a bookish person. And so chapter seven is all about investing in community, which can be an uphill battle for me. By the end of the day, I'm pretty worn down and idea of reading something alone is usually the most appealing, but God has also created us for community. And often one of the things that helps us play best is someone else. So one of the best investments we made at our church as we're kind of walking out of this pandemic haze is we purchased three ping pong tables and we put them on the patio after worship. And suddenly we are having teenagers and men in our congregation who are like, we have to get to church on Sunday because I want to beat Pastor Daryl in ping pong. We have guys who are bringing an extra shirt because they know they're going to get sweaty. And what it has done for our community is it's lifted everyone. We're seeing people in worship more often. We're seeing people stay later. They're building these relationships. And now we're heading to a season of all church small groups and we're seeing folks sign up who never have before because they've made friends by playing ping pong. It was the best investment we've made at a church, a few ping pong tables. Um, So there's just such power in playing together. And when folks are unsure where to start with playfulness, they just might not be feeling it. I always advise them, find someone you love and ask them what they love to do and if you can join them. And people come back with these stories of going to the archery range and going rock climbing and trying surfing and playing a new board game. And there's there's wonderful, wonderful grace in the community. There was a great ad. I mean, I do think that the the pandemic reality um, brought us lots of opportunities to figure out how to play and and renewed our spirit um, to play. I loved the ad where uh, the little girl is sitting on the stoop of her home and, you know, she's kind of watching the world go by from a social distance and the the postal person comes by and he's clearly not in a very good mood. And um, she draws uh, a hopscotch, right? She draws out hopscotch on the sidewalk. And then these people come past and each one of them um, engages in that. And it brings a smile to everyone's face. And so sometimes it's just our creating the opportunity for people to play, like literally putting it in their path. The ping pong table 
um, on the patio or or using using the sidewalk in front of our home to just go ahead and draw out the um, the hopscotch. I don't know what you call that pattern board thing. <laughs> court. I don't know. Court. <laughs> Maybe it's a court. <laughs> yeah, I totally love that. Yeah. There, I don't there know. There wasn't such... really a question in there. It was kind of an observation. I, you know, I, I love the invitation part of this. There is then also the hurdle I have to get over, and that is the give myself permission to look ridiculous. Yes. And that's often what trips us up as adults is either we don't want to look silly or we've monetized everything we do, right? We we find, we bake cookies and they're amazing. And we think, oh, I could sell these. Or you paint something and it's beautiful and you think I should get an Etsy store. And removing some of those barriers to just being able to do useless things just for the pure joy of them. Or to be able to do these small things, like just take a piece of sidewalk chalk. My my book has this happy yellow cover with an orange paper airplane on it. And that's one of the invitations I use when I lead speaking events is I have everyone make a paper airplane. And usually I get some eye rolls and, you know, this isn't youth group or children's ministries or what are you asking me to do? And and then people make them and the lift is instantaneous. They start sailing them around the room and everyone is smiling and it takes us a minute and a half and it changes the day. So these tiny little things we do, one of my favorite things to do is make a paper airplane and write a note on it and leave it somewhere where someone will find it. You know, I leave it on the counter at the mail place or I leave it by the my mailbox or I, I drop it on the counter at the coffee shop. And these little invitations to play can, can change someone's day, these little micro plays um, when they fall into that spark, that release of playfulness. When you think about uh, the way that we expect people to grow up, um, and we want people to grow up in every way into Christ, but, you know, I think that there, there is this expecta- expectation that we will somehow outgrow this joyful spirit of playfulness. But I don't really want my grandchildren, who are super playful right now, right? I don't really want them to outgrow the desire to run down the hallway and throw themselves into the beanbag. I I don't want them to outgrow the delight of fireflies. I don't want them to outgrow the wonder they currently have, you know, at the shapes of clouds. Um, So when we talk about growing up in Christ in every way, talk about reserving playfulness as, as really a holy attribute. Absolutely. The the last chapter of the book is called Take Off Your Shoes, and it's about the playfulness inherent in worship. And when we worship God, we are connected to the creator of joy. And it's so true that we need to grow up in every way in Christ. And I think we're seeing a lot of immaturity in our culture, right? And people reacting right now in ways rather than, than thinking and being thoughtful and going deep with the Lord. Um But God calls us also to grow up fully in ways that keep us connected to joy. Joy is a very childlike emotion. It's also a very adult emotion. And once we've gone through suffering in our lives, to be able to reconnect with God in joy is is deep work. It's deep work, which is why playfulness is such a wonderful tool, because it's the easiest tool we have. I say in the book, it won't cure all that ails you, but it's also one of the most powerful tools. I know I say, you know, stay in your small group and go to counseling if you need to and all of these things, but also continue to give yourself the permission to play. 
And what we see is when we do some of these innovative things in worship, whether it just be reading a psalm responsively, which was new for our congregation. Someone said, why are we doing this newfangled thing? And I was like, well, psalms are pretty old. Um, it gets us out of this rote repetition and we begin to lift our eyes to the Lord anew. So playfulness is just this fun game, this silly thing. It's also looking at things with fresh eyes and being willing to innovate and see our neighbors and notice the needs of the community and address them in ways that are creative and new. It's, it's giving ourselves permission to try something and fail. That's playful. That's deeply playful. Um, and realizing that we are we are tethered to the eternal rock, so we don't have to be so rigid in our fear. We can let ourselves go into playfulness with God's blessing and permission. So we're talking with Courtney Ellis. We're talking about her book, Happy Now. You can find Courtney online at Courtney B, the letter B, Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, CourtneyBEllis.com. Um, Courtney, if you are not familiar with Ethan Bryan... Um, I want you to jot down his name and connect with him. I mean, it's been a while okay. since we talked with him, but he wrote a book called A Year of Playing Catch. And here's mm. basically what basically what happened is that he used to play baseball. And then for whatever reason, I can't really remember why, but he couldn't. There was a physical thing going on. I can't remember all, all the details of that. But on one day, his daughters just encouraged him, like as the new year was approaching, to like play catch every day, like get back to doing that. And so he actually did that. He, for an entire year, every single day, he played catch with somebody. Well, in order to do that, he had to he had to issue a lot of invitations, and he had to give himself permission to look silly in public. And, I mean, because he'd be, you know, somewhere out of town at a meeting or whatever, and he, you know, in order to keep his commitment, like, had to find somebody to play catch with. So he always had to admit with him in a ball. And the stories that grew out of it and the permission um, of people reengaging in something that they had done as kids and on and on and on, um, it reignited this playfulness, not only in him, but in everybody that sort of caught on to the idea. So anyway, it's called A Year of Playing Catch. I think you guys would, well, the first, the two of you need to know one another because you're talking, you're pulling the same chord, you're you're strumming the same <laughs> chord. And so I think that's helpful to know as well, like who out there is aligned with me in what I'm doing. So you guys would have yeah, some instant alignment. You. Yeah. And it'd be fun for you guys to all play around. There you go. I'm all for fun. Right. All right. It's such a delight to um, to come to know you and to know that you're out there doing what you do. Blessings on the church plant. Blessings on Daryl and your kids. Um, thank you for your time today. Thank you for the gift of Happy Now. I want you guys to visit with Courtney online, CourtneyBEllis.com. Courtney, thanks so much. Thanks, Carmen. It was a joy. It was a joy. We'll be right back. All right, who do you need to reconnect with and do something fun with today? Uh, think about the people with whom you used to play as a kid, the things you used to play and do. And I don't know, give yourself permission and issue the invitation and get out there and play today. Something. Play something. I don't know what, uh, I don't know how I'm going to answer my own call there. So uh, I'm going to let you know tomorrow what I am end up doing today in terms of play. I played softball as a kid. Um, I, I cannot uh, engage in the softball game that will be taking place at Faith Radio today because I'm not physically there, but I'm there in spirit. Um, so what are you going to play today? 
want you to think about that, and I want you to invite others to play with you. Hopscotch, Frisbee, throw a ball around in the yard, uh, jump rope, ride a bike, play an actual organized game, maybe four square. How about basketball? I mean, you know, a simple game of, like, horse or, I don't know, you could spell any word up there. All right, get out there and play a little bit today. Let's be childlike in our approach to the things of the faith. Let's remember that joy abounds. And let's remember that in relationship to God, we are all children. And so let us enjoy this day in the joy of the Lord, even though we recognize these are serious days and serious times in which we live. We can be both serious and playful people and in all ways honor God. All right. So. Be a blessing to someone today and certainly bless God, bless God, bless God to whom all honor and glory are due. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.